Welcome to Empyrean Podcast, a podcast where kingdom and heavenly realities are proclaimed to be manifested and embodied in your everyday life. One of the things I want to talk about on today's episode of Empyrean is, is brokenness. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 34, and we're going to go to verse 17. It says, The righteous cry, and the Lord hears. And delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And saves such as be of a contrite spirit. You know, one of the things that we've kind of lost in our generation. Is is what, is what the Bible calls brokenness. You know, um, brokenness has to do with a dependency upon God. And when you're broken... To be broken means that you're joyfully vulnerable to the goodness of God and you're in expectation of the Lord to be there for you. You know, we live in a culture that is um, that has magnified or emphasized independence. Um, but to be a believer is not about being independent. It's about being interdependent. In other words, as a believer, there is a role that you play in your relationship with God. And there is a role that God plays in his relationship with you. And you need both because God is a God of partnership and God is a God of agreement. You know, God, you know, made creation in such a way um, that for anything to be done in the natural world, it needs a body. Right. There's nothing that can be done in the natural world without a physical body. And the will of God is that in every generation, in every era, in every epoch, there would be a man or woman who would desire to partner with God to bring to pass the purposes, the plans, the will of God in their generation. Now, in order for an individual to be one who would partner with God, that individual has to be broken. In other words, this individual has, has had to come to an awareness that without God, they're helpless and without God, they can do nothing. So brokenness is beautiful because brokenness is when the individual has gained a revelation that they're in desperate need of God. You know, one of the greatest misconceptions about the faith is that, you know, salvation is a one time experience. Um, salvation is not a one time experience. Salvation is actually ongoing. Now, when you believe in Jesus, you're saved instantly in spirit. You're saved progressively in soul, and you're saved um, futuristically in body. So salvation is layered. Salvation is multifaceted. But I'm not, I'm not talking about the salvation um, that you're thinking of, because a lot of times when we think about salvation, we think about salvation in terms of, you know, our um, fire insurance, that we don't have to go to hell anymore or, you know, about at life after death. But I want to make you aware of what that word salvation has to do with. That word salvation has to do with rescue. And that word salvation has to do with deliverance. Uh, I'll share a dream I had recently. I had a dream that I was uh, being transported by like a, 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 a guard and I was about to be walked into this facility. And uh, what began to happen was I noticed on the street that there was a van and this van, you know, came by and the van began to shoot. And it was interesting because the van did not shoot me or at me. The van was, was specifically targeted for the people that held me in captivity. 
And I watched in the dream that the first time the van came by, they were shooting and they didn't get the job done. And another van came that was more specialized. And when this van came, it, it, it executed the people that had me in captivity. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm thinking, oh, I had a weird dream or, you know, I don't understand that dream. I just throw that dream away. And I was able to talk to one of my mentors, Prophet Medina, about the dream. And he told me that that dream is showing me that Jesus is my savior. And there were situations I was involved in where the Lord was going to execute a rescue operation to set me free from those situations. And when when you, when you begin to realize that the Lord is a savior, what that actually means is that the Lord is devoted or committed to rescue operations in your life for the rest of your life. It means that you are not just saved from hell. You're not just saved from sin. You're not just saved from eternal damnation, but you also can be saved from people. You can be saved from situations. You can be saved from relationships. The Lord is so invested in your soul's success that he will come and be your savior. He will rescue you. He will deliver you and he will set you free. Now, one of the things you have to be aware of, we can go back to Psalm 34, 17. It says the righteous cry and the Lord hears. You know, one of the things that we've lost in this generation is a cry. You know, we, we, we bought into a Christianity that is emotionless. We bought into a Christianity that has no feeling. We bought into a Christianity where you can't be moved by anything that happens to you. And here's the issue. Um, as a believer, you don't have to learn how to feel. You don't have to learn how to feel you know, pain. You're going to have to learn how to feel grief. You're going to have to learn how to feel sorrow. You're going to have to learn how to feel mourning. You know, the Bible tells you, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So in the Christian faith, there is room for mourning. There is room for release. There is room for healing. Because the Bible says that those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. So there are times in your life there are set times of weeping. There are set times of, of sorrow. There are set times of pain, you know, and there's always going to be purpose in your pain. But as a believer, you can't allow yourself to not cry. You can't allow yourself to not feel. Now, in this particular instance, it's not talking about the cry that we're thinking of, like with just water um, coming out of your eyes. But what it's talking about is that there, 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 there's a place in life where you are so um, touched by a situation that you cry out to God. And as a believer, there has to be a place in your walk where you develop a cry. You develop a, 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 a space to be able to reach out to God, to involve God in your life situations. Life as a believer was not meant to be done alone. And the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. It says, I'll make a helper comparable to him. Now, we know in that context, it's talking about that mankind was not created to do life without community or to do life in isolation. And, you know, mankind needs companionship or relationship in order to become who God ordained mankind to become, male and female to become. Now, God also said that he won't leave us as orphans, but he's going to give us a helper. So our helper um, in the spirit is the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of God is there with us to comfort us, 
The Spirit of God is there with us to intercede for us. The Spirit of God is there with us to guide us, to teach us. And there are different roles that um, the Spirit of God play, um, plays in our life. But what we have to do is we have to be vulnerable enough before God to cry out to Him. You know, one of the things that will bring transformation in your life is when you can quickly realize that without Jesus, you can do nothing. You know, you need to develop a prayer habit where you practice inviting God into your situation. That no matter how big or how small the situation is, you learn to cry out to God. And when I say cry out to God, you're moved or you're aware by the situation that you need God's involvement. And it tells you God's view toward mankind in the scriptures. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro in the earth, seeking for someone to show himself strong on their behalf. So God is always examining mankind. He's always examining humanity to look for a man or woman who sees that they need God. And God's, God's, one of God's strongest desires is to be necessary. And when, when, when a believer realizes that God is necessary and that believer cries out to God, God gets involved. And the Bible says that in Psalms 37, 17, the righteous cry and the Lord hears. Now, the Bible tells us that the Lord is attentive to the cries of the righteous, which means there are going to be situations, saints, where you're going to have to cry out to God. There are going to be situations, saints, where you're going to realize that the end of you has begun. And when the end of you has begun, you must invite God because there, there is a, a space where you end and God begins. But God is always attentive to the cries of the righteous because God always wants us to be in a realization that without his involvement, uh, we'll be in the same space. Without his involvement, we're utterly doomed. Without his involvement, we're going to fail. Without his involvement, we cannot be successful. So the Lord is attentive to the cries of the righteous. But when the righteous cry, the Lord hears. And one of the things we're going to have to grow in, if we're going to learn to be broken, we have to be aware that God hears us when we pray. You know, the Bible says this is the confidence that we have in him. Right. That we have that confidence in God. This is the confidence that we have in him. That he hears us. I'm confident that God hears me when I pray. And, and, and one of the ways I can be confident that God hears me when I pray is the realization that Jesus models the relationship available to all the righteous, male or female. Jesus models what's available in my relationship with God. And if you were to go, I believe it to be John chapter 11. The Bible says that Lazarus died and Lazarus had been dead about three to five days. And when Jesus went to the grave, he said, Father, this I pray so they all know that you hear me. He said, but I know that you always hear me. You know, God has invited us into a relationship called sonship. And sonship is not a, a gender term. Sonship is a, a function. Sonship is a responsibility. Sonship is a maturity level. You know, you're not just a son because you're saved. You're a son because you look like your father. You're a son because your father can entrust you with responsibility and the responsibility he gives you, you can bear with his character. 
So without the character of God or the character of Jesus, you're not a son, you're a child. But that, that we've been invited into sonship. Every believer has the possibility of maturation into a son of God, which means that God fully backs all you do. And it means that when people see you, they see Jesus. But in sonship, there's a confidence. And this is a confidence that is grown into over time that the Lord hears me. But it's not just that God hears me. It's the fact that the Lord hears me, but the Lord does something about it when he hears me. So the, 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 there, there's, a, there's a process. The process, the, the alchemy of prayer is that you cry, the Lord hears, and something happens. Because prayer is an alchemical process. Prayer is not, um, prayer is, is fluid. Prayer is not rigid. So what God does is God allows situations to us and to develop a brokenness in us. So in the midst of situations, we'll cry out to God so that God can hear and the power of God will begin to work on our behalf. You know, one thing I learned when I was young, well, actually two things is this. The first thing I learned when I was young is that God allows in his wisdom what he can prevent by his power, which means there are certain things that God will allow to happen to us that he could prevent. But remember, God is not in time. God is in eternity. So God sees eternity past. He sees eternity present and he sees eternity future. So what God does is God sees what a crisis or a situation or the circumstance would transmute you into. And what God does is God will allow the situation because God desires transmutation. And transmutation is when um, I'm actually, I'll actually look up the I was going to say my particular definition. But let me just say what transmutation is. Transmutation is the change, the action of changing or the state of being changed into another form. So in other words, every problem, situation, or circumstance carries with it the gift of transmutation. Which means that God desires you to grow through situations and not just go through situations. God doesn't desire any situation to cause you to stay the same. God desires every situation that you grow through it and not just go through it. And God doesn't just expect you to grow through it and not go through it. God also expects that every situation you're in, you let it make you better and not bitter. Because in every situation, the enemy wants you to be stagnant and the enemy wants you to be bitter. The enemy wants you to develop a victim mentality, a woe is me complex and a mentality that disempowers you. But when you go through anything, things, you have to be aware that in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. And you have to have a heart of thanksgiving because you have a promise from the Lord that says this. It says that. Now, thanks be unto God who always, it doesn't say sometimes, it says now thanks be unto God who always, it doesn't, it doesn't leave any room for uncertainty. It said now thanks be unto God who, who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. So in God's world, God's desire, the will of God for you 
is that no matter what happens to you, you always triumph. And you will always triumph because of your location. Listen, you're not outside of Christ. You're in Christ. One of the greatest temptations that Satan will always tempt you to do is to, to um, step out of Christ, to disassociate from Christ, to bear things alone. But it says, now thanks be unto God who will always cause me to triumph in Christ Jesus. So we always triumph, right? There's no room for being a victim. We, we always triumph. And in all these things, we're more than conquerors. No matter what happens to us, saints, we are more than conquerors. And we're more than conquerors because we win battles we don't have to fight. We, we live from victory, not for victory. So no matter what happens to us, we never lose our position. And our position is in Christ. But circumstances and situations are de designed to develop a humility, an awareness that outside of Christ, I'm doomed. Outside of Christ, I'm helpless. Without Christ, I will fail. Without Christ, I have no strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me from within. But without his strength, I'm, I'm, I'm defeated, right? But watch what the Lord does. It says, the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Saints, you will deal with trouble in this life. But what God wants to do with your trouble, God wants to snatch you away from your trouble. God wants to defend you in your trouble. God wants to deliver you in your trouble. God wants you to escape your trouble. God wants to preserve you in your trouble. God wants to recover you in your trouble. God wants to rescue you in your trouble. God wants you to um, have spoil from your trouble. God doesn't want you to come out of trouble empty-handed, but God wants you to leave the trouble having plundered the enemy for all he has, right? This is what God does. So he wants to deliver you out of all your troubles, all your tightness, all your anguish, all your adversity, all your tribulation, all your distress. The Lord is a deliverer. And the Bible says that the Lord is rich to all that call upon him. Listen, when you call upon the Lord, the Lord is rich. The Lord is not impoverished. The Lord is not powerless. The Lord is not helpless. The Lord is rich. The Lord is present. He's our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. The Lord has, has resources. The Lord is our source and he is full of resources. You know, they say what makes God God is God is unlimited in his resources. God never runs out of means. God never runs out of ways. God never runs out of power. God never runs out of, out of resources. He is the source, the ultimate source, the ultimate resource, right? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell within. But God wants to deliver us. Now watch this, verse 18. The Lord is near unto them that have a broken heart. See, one of the things that we have to learn about Jesus is that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. There is no room for brokenheartedness to linger in Christianity because part of the, the Christ's manifesto 
was to heal the brokenhearted. So there's a special place in God for those who have been wounded. There's a special place in God for those who have been betrayed. There's a special place in God for those who have been um, hurt. And what God has pledged to do in your woundedness, your hurt, your betrayal, God has pledged to restore your soul. God has pledged to heal you where you hurt. God has pledged to uh, address the areas of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotion that have been, you know, um, broken or that have been traumatized. You know, there's no greater healer of trauma than the Lord Jesus. Because the Bible says that Jesus restores your soul. Jesus is a restorer. Which means there could be areas of your soul that have been lost in captivity. There could be areas of your soul that have been hijacked by Satan himself. And Jesus will come and restore your soul where your soul can um, prosper. Because Jesus is committed to the prosperity of your soul. Jesus is committed to teaching you how to develop a powerful inner world. You know, uh, Christianity is living life from the inside out, right? Christianity is, a, is, is, is developing a impenetrable, you know, impenetrable soul where your soul is impenetrable to the enemy, where, where you are, 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 um, you are defended fully. You're protected in heart. Well, you learn to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. But be aware, saints, the Lord is near to them of a broken heart. There are times where the heart is broken. There are times where we're betrayed. There are times where we are disappointed. There are times where we're wounded. But saints, we have to be aware in those times, the Lord is near. He's near us. The Lord is never closer to you than when you're going through trauma. The Lord is never closer to you than when you're going through betrayal. The Lord is never closer to you than when you're going through woundedness. The Lord is never closer to you than when you're going through, you know, heartbreak, heartache, grieving, mourning. He's near. And the Lord is near because the Bible says that God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help. See, the Lord is not afar off. He's present. And the Lord will help you navigate your pain. The Lord, listen, the Lord doesn't just want to teach you how to cope with your pain. The Lord wants to teach you how to overcome your pain. The Lord wants to teach you how to acknowledge your pain. The Lord wants to teach you how to feel your pain. The Lord wants to teach you how to heal from your pain. Because when you go through something, you have to be aware, saints, that there is a messianic principle in suffering. And the messianic principle is that when you suffer, all those who are connected to you, when you heal, they shift. And there are things that you have literally been picked aside for to go through for those who will be connected to you in the future. But the fact that you grow through it and not just go through it it shifts you and you experience the beauty of transmutation. And now there's a compassion in your heart for those you're called to. See, there is a uh, there is purpose in your pain. 
Because, you know, Joseph said it best. He said, listen, he said, what you meant for my evil, he said, God meant for my good. Saints, there are situations that when you're presently in those situations, it's like, well, how is this happening to me? Why is this going on in my life? Why is this my present circumstance? Not realizing that what Satan meant for your evil, God has meant for your good. There are people that need to hear your suffering. There are people that need to hear how to heal from pain. There are people that need to hear that God is a deliverer. There are people that need to hear that God is a rescuer. And if you can overcome, if you can heal, if you could grow through it and not just go through it, you will be a living witness that Jesus is a healer of broken hearts. You will be a living witness that Jesus is a healer of broken situations. You will be a living witness that the Lord is present to you when you are going through situations. And not only is he present, he's a savior. The Lord is a savior. The Lord will free you from trauma. The Lord will free you from disappointment. The Lord will free you from betrayal. The Lord will free you, deliver you, avenge you, preserve you, rescue you, save you. This is what the Lord will do. But saints, we will never know these situations, the, the power of, of God, unless we're in these situations. I want to I I show you one more thing. We're going to go to the book of Luke. And go to Luke. Luke chapter 20. And go to verse 17. It says, And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. It says, Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Saints, one of the things we got to understand is that Jesus is that chief cornerstone. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. And the same builder, the same stone the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. You have to understand that sometimes rejection is your protection. And you have to understand that, you know, rejection is a part of life. In life, you will be rejected. You will be disapproved of. People will um, disallow you. You know, people will look down on you in life. And, you know, rejection causes you to draw near to God. Right? Because Jesus was rejected by the builders. But the same stone that was rejected by the builders. But the builders was the stone that God chose to build with. So you have to be aware that, you know, people's rejection of you has no bearings on God's approval of you. Because there are times where people will reject the very people whom God has approved of. So you have to learn to be secure in your identity in Christ. And you have to learn how to be secure in God's love for you. You can't get your value from people's treatment of you. 
You can't get your value from people's perception of you, but your value only has to come from God's love. Because the most secure place to live in creation is in the center of God's love. No matter what happens to you, you have to embrace and know that God loves you. You have to realize that God is the only constant in life and that people are temporary and people will come and go. But the thing that will never change in life is God's unconditional, unfailing, unwavering love towards you. And the fact that you have entered into a love covenant with God, where God has pledged in his love for you to heal you, rescue you, deliver you, protect you, and provide for you, all because he loves you unconditionally. And God doesn't just love, he is love. So his love will never change. Now watch this, verse 18. It says, whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So saints, we have two reactions to Jesus. We can depend upon Jesus and that dependency upon Jesus is to be broken. Or we can reject Jesus and think that we can handle the tough, hard, difficult situations of life on our own, but we'll be ground to powder. Saints, it is so much better to humble ourselves and fall upon Jesus. To be broken means that you've arrived to a place where you realize, I need Jesus. I'm going to go in his presence. I'm going to pour my heart out to him. I'm going to expect him to rescue me, deliver me, preserve me, help me, aid me. And I'm going to release my faith with the expectation that Jesus is my savior. See, broken people expect Jesus to save them. Broken people have positioned themselves to always be a part of Jesus' rescue operation. And they're always looking unto the hills because they know their help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Broken people are always in expectation of God to help them. And they realize that without God's help, they can't do it. So they'll always cry out to God for help. They'll always depend on God for help. They'll always expect God to help them navigate situations. I like the way David said it. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me and thou rod and thou staff comfort me. Saints, we have to understand that no matter what we're going through, Jesus is with us. We're never in a situation alone. Jesus is with us. And in the midst of, of him being in the situation, he will comfort us. In the midst of him being in the situation, he will guide us. In the midst of him being in the situation, he will speak to us. So brokenness is a place that the prideful can never enter into because the prideful think they can do it alone. The prideful think they don't need to pray. The prideful think they can strategize, they can network, they can, um, by sheer willpower, overcome. But the broken have opened their heart before the Lord for the Lord to be involved. I want to take you to another place. 2 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter, um, chapter, I believe it to be chapter 
10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. It may not be. Let me check this. It may be. I think it's not. It's actually Second Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to go to verse um, 12, verse 8. It says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it might depart from me. Verse 9. It says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It says, One of the things we have to understand about God is that there are situations that God allows as a trigger. And God wants situations to trigger you to depend upon him. So in the midst of your situation, God's grace can be poured out in your life. Listen, God has grace for every situation. There is provision for every problem. And there is grace for every space. For every space you're in, God will empower you to overcome it. But God needs acknowledgement of his, he needs acknowledgement of his, his necessity in those situations. And once you acknowledge that God is necessary, once you acknowledge that God is, 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 is your source, once you acknowledge that God is needed, the grace of God will be made manifest in your situation and God's grace is, is enough. God's grace is satisfactory. God's grace is available to help you overcome. God's grace is available to transmute the situation so that what the enemy meant for evil, it'll actually work out for your good. Because the strength of Jesus is available whenever you're weak. The strength of Jesus is available whenever you're overwhelmed. The strength of Jesus is available whenever you're helpless. But you can glory in your hardships. You can glory in your difficult circumstances. You can glory in your weaknesses because you can rejoice because when you're weak, this is when God's power will be made available on your behalf because the Lord is near to the broken. The Lord is near to those who are aware of their need of him. The Lord is near to those who cry out to him. And when you cry out to God in the midst of trauma, cry out to God in the midst of betrayal, cry out to God in the midst of heartbreak, cry out to God in the midst of disappointment, cry out to God in the midst of hardship, adversity, his power comes upon you. And his power is available in every situation to transmute the situation where you just won't go through it. You'll grow through it and he will transmute the situation where you will not be bitter, but you will be better. So God's mind is that his desire is that we glory or we take pleasure in hardship. We take pleasure in reproaches. We take pleasure in need. We take pleasure in distress. We take pleasure in being persecuted because whenever you're weak, whenever you come to the end of yourself, whenever you're helpless, whenever you feel like I just can't do it, then you can be strong because God is involved.
Saints, this is the beauty of brokenness. If you are blessed by this episode of Empyrean and would like to connect further, be sure to follow me on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Darnell Craig. And be sure to visit my website, www.darnellcraig, for courses and digital products that will deepen your relationship with God.